Hey guys, welcome back to Institution on the Edge, the podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about some of our righteous, holier-than-thou fellow estheticians. And we are also going to take a look at the gua sha. Some people say gua sha, some people say gua sa. Uh, but we're going to take a look at that and the current craze that surrounds it. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Um, and before I actually get into the first segment, you guys are going to have to excuse me. My cats are on, um, they're on restrictions because they're getting fat. So they're annoying me because it's time for them to eat. Almost time for them to eat. So if you hear plaintive whining, ignore it. Thank you. Okay. Now for real this time, let's get into the show. So y'all know this podcast is, it, it's an offshoot of my Instagram page and that's filled with ridiculous memes. I've got like 800 of those bitches at this point. I'm, who knew I had 800 in me, right? <laughs> but they're on there. I, I guess the only thing I can think is the account has gained a few more followers and people are telling people to follow or they're tagging them in memes or they're sharing the memes. And the more that you guys do that, the more my memes are going to pull up in search engines and things like that. So cool, please keep doing that. And thank you so much for sharing. But with all of the good, a little bit of bad, it's bound to come with it. Now, I feel like bad is kind of a strong word in this instance, but let me explain. What I mean is that I'm getting a few more comments under the memes along the lines of, you don't speak for the industry. Your client has given you their trust. You should be ashamed of yourself. This is so immature and not what our industry is about. <laughs> yeah. Let me start by saying, first of all, it is a meme account. So shut the fuck up. It's supposed to be over the top. That is what a meme is. It is to elicit a strong reaction. And I'm sorry that in you, it elicited a negatively strong reaction. Now, some of y'all that follow that have been there since the beginning, big ups. Um, y'all notice the comments before I do and you swoop in like avenging angels and you basically tell whoever this asshole is to lighten up. And that is the same thing that I'm going to do once I actually notice the comment myself. Another thing that these people are doing, though, is making other estheticians feel bad for finding this stuff funny, for having like a quick little laugh on their way into work. And to me, that is unacceptable, completely unacceptable. Now, I do try to delete the comments before it gets out of hand if someone starts bullying. God forbid someone have a fucking sense of humor, right? Because some killjoy is always going to pop up and steal our sunshine. Now, I say all of that because I think we need to talk about being an esthetician and what that means for some people and what it doesn't mean for some people and why it is okay to feel either way. 
Now, I get asked all the time, like all the time, why I decided to become an esthetician. When I taught aesthetics, every single day, somebody would ask me, why did you become an esthetician? But when I tell people my reasons for getting into aesthetics, it it always causes them to go, oh, um, wow, okay, hmm. And I've made an amazing discovery of why other people think that I got into the industry. And I actually think it's why a lot of people think that each of us, me and you, all go into skincare for some reason. And I have not, I have not figured it out. I have not. If you know the answer, let me know. But for some reason, when you are in a service-oriented job, something like hair, um, massage, nails, skin, uh, lawyers, policemen, things like that. People assume that you've gotten into that career for totally altruistic motives. Basically, people think that we've chosen the industry that we've chosen because we want to help people or we enjoy relaxing people or we're fighting the good fight. Those have to be the core reasons that we entered into our chosen career. I'm pretty sure, like 99.9% sure, that people don't assume that a radio announcer, uh, a race car driver, the manager of a Nordstrom's, or the guy who reads my meter every month, that they got into their line of work for anything other than to make money and have a job, or uh, in, in for a radio announcer, maybe to make a name for themselves. So... Why would that be the automatic assumption for people when they find out that we're an esthetician? Why do they think we did it for some altruistic reason? Yeah, it, it is very hands-on, but so is being an auto mechanic. And you never, ever, ever <laughs> think that those guys got into the car repair industry for the greater good. But yeah, that, that was my amazing discovery. The majority of people believe the reason that we all have chosen to do the job that we are in is because we want to help or nurture or guide people into skincare. Uh, that, so that's not my reason. <laughs> that's not my reason, nor has it ever been my reason for going into skincare. Now, I'm just going to say this. This might not be a popular opinion, and I might actually alienate some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you are an esthetician, don't put your expectations of the field that you envision yourself in onto other estheticians. If you came into this industry to heal, to guide, to nurture, cool, do you. I'm glad you found that for yourself. But some of us, that's me, we did not come into it for that reason. I decided to pursue aesthetics because it sounded fun. Shit. I come from a small town and your options are, do I want to work in a factory for the rest of my life? Do I want to be a waitress for the rest of my life? Or would I like to get married and just spit out kids till my vagina falls out? None of those sounded appealing to me. When I found out there were people getting paid to do things that I already loved to do, things like popping pimples and peeling skin and ripping out hair, and I could do all of that in a lovely, climate-controlled, peaceful environment, 
It sounded like a fucking dream come true. Helping my fellow man feel better about themselves? I was never, ever a thought in my head if I'm being perfectly candid with you. I could make money while playing in skincare that I normally would not have access to. Chemical peels, like really strong products. I'd get to learn new techniques for improving my own skin. I might even get to play with lasers if I was lucky. I could do microdermabrasions. I could do silk peels because that was a thing back then. Um, And then there were other nifty machines. I don't even know what they did, but I know I wanted to play with them. Damn, count me in. I am in. I'm going to be an esthetician. I don't see myself as a healer or helper in any way, shape, or form. Now that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy seeing people relaxed and happy and calmer and more confident when they exit my room. I love seeing that. I'm so glad for them. I love that I can have that effect on people. But it is not the driving force for why I am in and stay in aesthetics. I'm in the industry because, well, it's intriguing. It can be challenging. It's definitely never boring. And I have an opportunity to make money doing something that I enjoy. And that's it. The care and comfort of my fellow man, that's not my reasoning. If you are that person, if you're someone who has entered the field because you are a nurturer, I think that's awesome. I do. This is a great place to fulfill that need that you have to be influential in someone else's life and to bring them comfort. Certain clients, they will be drawn to you and the way that you practice, just as certain clients will be drawn to me and the way that I practice. I can tell you right now, my clients, they would feel smothered and bothered and awkward by what they would consider unnecessary uh, fussing and, and unnecessary pampering. And your clients, if you're a nurturer, your clients would feel rushed and unhappy with what they would consider my very cold and clinical approach. There is nothing wrong with how either of us do aesthetics. There's no wrong way as long as you have a happy client and a good end result. What is wrong is when you can't see the good in both approaches and you shame people for having a moment of levity over a client that you feel should be held in such high regard that they should be swaddled in forgiveness and shielded from their own shortcomings. You know, their shortcomings. Like not properly wiping the shit off of their ass before Brazilian wax. Yeah, that client has entrusted me with their body for the time it takes to perform the service. But no, they do not get a free pass simply because they are in my quote-unquote care. If there's nothing wrong physically or mentally with that client, there is zero, read me, zero excuse for having a clump of shit hanging out of your asshole. There are zero excuses for having a dirty fucking tampon string hanging out of your vagina when you know that that is going to be the focus of a service. There are zero excuses for screaming and punching and kicking when you're getting a wax service. Zero. Read me. Zero. So if I want to make a meme about it, 
I will. And I hope it'll bring a smile to someone's face who is having a bad SD day. And if somehow, some way, a client stumbles onto a meme and it makes them stop and think, huh, maybe I should use the wipe from now on, then by God, hallelujah. If I or any of us that are making the memes or commenting under the memes were using real names, then yeah, shame on us. That would be horrible. That is a boundary that no one should cross, really and truly. And I don't think any of us out there would <laughs> use a client's real name when we're talking about them on a Facebook group, in a meme, anything. None of us are that unprofessional, really and truly. All we're doing is having a bit of fun. So climb off your high horse and unfollow if you can't find humor in absurdity. You don't have to announce that you're unfollowing also, by the way. Uh, someone, what did someone say? This is not an airport. You do not have to announce your departure. I agree with her 100%. Just fucking unfollow already. Stop judging other estheticians for their reasons for being in the field. And that's what it feels like you're doing. Because this person doesn't have the perception of a client that you do, they are horrible and awful and wrong. That's not true. Not everyone has the same perspective of clients as you. Just stay in your own damn lane. Yeah. And that's about how I feel about that. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, I, I feel like, I don't feel like it's a big account. I really don't because there's so many other large, really large accounts out there. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's been more and more of these horrible, awful Pam estheticians who just have to put in their two cents worth. And you know, I go check out their page the minute they put something negative under a, just a having fun meme. Uh, and they usually have like 100 followers and they've been in the industry for two minutes. Pipe down, Junior. Talk to me when you've got some experience. I got a topic request to talk a bit about the Gua Sha tool. And you'll hear it pronounced Gua Sha or Gua Sha. I think both are correct. I've heard them used by um, native speakers interchangeably. So whichever you want to say. And it does seem to be all the rage lately. And... I thought it would be an excellent idea to talk a little bit about it. Now, gua sha is the intentional scraping of the skin's surface to create some sort of change. The words themselves literally mean scraping and red. Gua means scraping and sha means red. Before we get into it, I do want to give you a little bit of background and history on gua sha and its origins. And it has been practiced now for around 2,000 years, and it originated in Eastern Asian culture. And it was originally used as an alternative to more expensive treatments for things like fevers and colds. It was absolutely not regarded in any way as an implement for beauty treatments. Although there were some reports that the Empress herself did use it daily on her jawline, uh, but I have not seen that substantiated by any sort of historical fact. So take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Now, Western culture, that is us, tends to romanticize things like gua sha or cupping or any other kind of alternative healing methods. Now, we forget that the reason that these even exist is because most people were too poor to afford proper medical care, and that this was kind of a Hail Mary attempt to keep themselves from dying from something as simple as a fever. But I could almost guarantee that if you went back in time and you gave these people 
from 2,000 years ago, a choice between an antibiotic that would for sure heal them or being scraped until you're bruised and you might live, I'm pretty sure that they would not choose to do the holistic method of gua sha. They would probably go for the sure thing. And I could be wrong about that, but it, it makes sense to me. Traditional gua sha is a body treatment where practitioners scrape and rub along the skin in hopes of causing the capillaries beneath the skin to burst, creating a bruise. So it is kind of aggressive. Now, gusha is supposed to increase circulation. It's supposed to move stagnant lymph along with metabolic waste and toxins that are broken apart with the rubbing and the scraping motion. It is also supposed to help with muscle stiffness, so something like arthritic pain. It is supposed to bring down fevers, break up colds, and in general, improve health and mobility across the board. And there has actually been research done to prove that there is some validity to those claims. It actually does some of those things. Now, you might be horrified at the thought of someone intentionally giving you bruises, intentionally trying to burst capillaries beneath your skin all over your back or your arms or your legs, but there is a theory behind it. The theory... Okay, well, hold on. I kind of need to explain the life cycle of a bruise before I can tell you the theory. It'll help you understand the theory better. So let's talk about the life cycle of a bruise. <laughs> Bet you didn't think we were going to do that today. But anyway, when a bruise is brand new, it's going to appear on the skin as really dark red, like a reddish hue. And that is due to the color of the blood that has leaked from those broken capillaries. When your bruise is a day or two old, it's going to start to take on kind of a blue, maybe a little bit of a purple color. The What is happening is that the swelling that happens at the side of the bruise, it causes all oxygen to be cut off to that area. And hemoglobin, which is the substance that carries iron into your blood, will turn blue. Now at six days old, your bruise is going to start turning kind of that sick green color. And this is the hemoglobin breaking down in the area and it is starting to heal. When your bruise is eight to nine days old, then your bruise should be turning kind of that weird yellowy brown. Yeah, that's the best description. Kind of a yellowy brown color. This is the final, the last stage in your body's reabsorption of that old blood. So you should be well on your way to healed at this point. Now you know what happens with a bruise. That, that's the life cycle of a bruise. So the theory is that with the cause of the bruise, with the actual bruising, your body not only breaks down the blood and carries that away, it will eventually also take with it, while it's breaking down that old blood, it will take whatever poisons or toxins that have kept you ill. And once those toxins have been flushed through your now better functioning lymph system, you are cured. You are no longer sick. You no longer have pain. You no longer have a fever. Some people swear by it. They do. I've heard tons of people say they love it. I just don't like bruises and I don't like pain. So it's just not something that I could see myself doing. But I get it. I understand it. Now, 
when we as practitioners of aesthetics hear gua sha, we have a very different view of it as a facial implement to tighten and tone the skin. Some people have even gone so far as to use the word sculpt to explain its benefits on the face. Some will even claim that it is a Botox and plastic surgery replacement, and I can tell you right now that they are full of shit. That little flat baby foot shaped stone will never, ever, ever be able to give you the results of Botox or a good old lower facelift. Ain't happening. Sorry. I, believe it or not, I happen to like the Gua Sha, and I am sure that that surprises the shit out of most of you since I poo-poo a lot of things. But I think clients, they find it relaxing. It does add a little extra time into a service if I'm moving too fast and I need to slow down. Now, I would never promise my clients any sort of result based on the use of it, but it is relaxing when used appropriately. Now, if you if you are wanting to incorporate gua sha into your services, I can give you a quickie little lesson. With a gua sha, slow and steady wins the race. Light pressure, you always want to use lighter pressure because that is the only way to truly affect the lymph system. Now you're going to be applying a very light amount of serum or you can use oil to lubricate the skin because you don't want the stone um, snagging or skipping on the skin. Most people are going to be starting, it doesn't mean you have to, but most people are going to be starting at the chin and working their way down to the clavicle. And general rule of thumb whenever you're working the lymph is three passes, to clear whatever area you're working on. And that's what I've always done. When you finish the neck, you can of course move up to the chin and from the chin, you'll go chin outwards toward the hairline. You can do that three times until you clear the area and then you'll move up to flare the nostrils and go out toward the temples. You're basically splitting the face in two. So you're working one side and then the other side. You can also do the forehead a lot of people say that it really helps soften their forehead lines, hmm, whatever. Um, but you want to do kind of bridge of nose up into the hairline. Some people do corner of eyebrow out to the hairline. So it's whichever feels comfortable to you or whatever t technique you decide to use. You can, if you're heavy handed like me, this will be a good thing for you. You can use a little bit more pressure along the jawline, but don't go crazy with it. Clients will not be understanding if you bruise them. Trust me. <laughs> like I said, I do like the gua sha, but I also have a very realistic outlook of what it does and it does not do. And it most certainly does not count as an alternative to Botox or facelifts. You're just using pressure and force on the surface of the skin. And all that's doing is increasing circulation. Yeah, it increases your oxygen uptake. But it's going to cause a little bit of swelling in those surrounding tissues as it's moving lymph and it's moving fluids. And all this will do is make your skin look a little bit plumper, a little bit smoother and tighter for a very short amount of time. As soon as the swelling goes down, the fluid dissipates, the face will return to its normal resting position. The gua sha does not reach the layer of the skin that is responsible for elastin formation. So from a scientific standpoint, there is no way that it can make your skin permanently less wrinkled or firmer or tighter or smoother. Now, if you're using the gua sha, make sure you're doing your due diligence. 
Make sure your client is not contraindicated. I can tell you now, your rosacea clients should not have this treatment. Also, anyone on blood thinners, because it is going to increase your circulation uh, quite a bit. Now, if you haven't purchased a gua sha, you can get one for under 30 bucks. So don't go crazy and buy these expensive ones. You just need something with a sturdy flat edge that's easy to hold to work with. Now, if you're into crystals and you're into energy healing, you probably want to look into something a little bit more expensive, uh, get something stone or crystal. Rose quartz is very popular. You can even find amethyst. But like I said, they come in all different varieties. You can get bone, plastic, they even have metal ones. I'd also suggest that you practice because it is deceptively easy to perform and that makes it even easier for you to mess up and bruise someone, especially in that very, very thin-skinned eye area. Get you a technique that you like, watch a YouTube video, watch a bunch of YouTube videos, find someone who is an expert at gua sha on Instagram, follow their videos, pay attention to their technique and practice. You want to make sure that you get your technique down so that you aren't accidentally scooping out somebody's eyeball with the gua sha. Did I ever tell y'all the eyeball scoop story? I just made me think of it. It just popped into my head as soon as I said that. I'm pretty sure I have. I don't know. I'll have to look back. I, but if I haven't, I've got a great eyeball scoop story. It's as gross as it sounds. Okay, but back to gua sha. But there are tons of techniques and videos, so just... Make sure you're practicing. That's it. Now, depending on your worldview, your outlook on things, uh, how woke you may be, if you will, there is some concern over the trending gua sha facials that we are doing in our Western world. Some in Eastern society, in Eastern culture, they see our use of the gua sha as just cultural appropriation and basically exploitation of a tradition that they have had for 2,000 years that we don't understand and we don't revere, that we are only using it to make a buck. So yeah, that's something to think about. If that is something that is important to you in your life, then that might be something you need to step back and think, you know what, maybe they have a point. Maybe this is not something that I should be doing on my clients. I don't have enough respect for the original purpose of this, and I don't understand it enough to use it in a way that is paying homage to its origins. Always something to think about. I will tell you the person who wanted me to talk about the gua sha, she, the reason she even wanted me to talk about it is I think she was trying to decide between an LED light and a gua sha. Girl, always go LED light. Always. You can get a little cheapy gua sha, like I said, for under 30 bucks. So good LED light will win this race every single time. All right, since I've gone over the last two episodes, I thought that I would keep this one short for you as an apology for making you listen for 40 plus minutes. So let's go ahead and end the show with our Pam of the Week. And our Pam of the Week comes to us from an anonymous follower. She says, I have been listening to your podcast and please forgive me, though entertaining, thought that there was no way... Wait, 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 hold on. I'm reading this wrong. Though entertaining thought, no way are there clients out there like she says there are. (laughs) 
She says, I've been doing this for four years and have never had someone come in with poop on them for a wax. I have also never had a mean client. They are always so grateful and sweet, but I will never doubt you again. The lockdown forced my old spa closed, so I just started working at a waxing chain just to be able to have a source of income and I had my first Pam just last week. I get the message that the client is waiting, so I go up to get her, and before I can say a word to her, she says, I'd appreciate it if you could try and stay the required six feet away when possible, and make sure that mask stays just like it is. No pulling it below your nose. I'm watching you. <laughs> Um, let's see. And then she says, I'll be keeping mine. I will be keeping mine on throughout the service. So I walked in front of her what I thought was six feet until we got to the room. And then I explained to her what to remove for her Brazilian. And she glares at me and says, I know what to do. Are you new here? And I say, yes, ma'am. And she says, well, I'm not new here. And I expect you to be as good as the other girl I usually get where you aren't getting a tip. Some of these girls that work here, they are just awful, and I'm not scared to speak up. I breathe deep, I grit my teeth, and I tell her that I do actually have years of experience and that she does not have to worry. I turn to give her a moment of privacy to get onto the table. I'm used to stepping out when they undress, so this part is still awkward for me. When I turn around, she is lying on her belly with her butt cheeks pulled apart. And I guess I stare too long because she looks over her shoulder and says, Anytime you want to get started, this is not a comfortable position. Did I mention she had a large piece of stained toilet paper lodged between her butt cheeks? That was a first for me too. Even though it's not the way I started Brazilian, and it isn't the way they told us we would do it here, I think, screw it, and just lay down strips and start working, hoping I can just wax the dirty toilet paper out. Anything to get this hateful lady off of my table. We finish the backside, and she turns over and insists on sitting up so that she's resting on her elbows because she wants to see what I'm doing. <laughs> she then complained about every single pull that I made with sound effects. If I pull she would do this weird grunt sound or she would make like a hissy sound like the wax was too hot. It took me 30 minutes to do something I usually finish in 10 minutes. I was shaking and sweating and you know that feeling you get in your throat when you're ready to cry? I had that. She gets dressed and we go up front and I know that there is no way I can show her retail like I'm supposed to without busting out crying. So I just say, it was nice to meet you and walk off. Before I'm out of earshot, I hear her tell the front desk that I was too slow and I needed to work on my people skills. I went to the bathroom and cried. Oh, that's right. 37 years old, mother of two, and I am reduced to crying in the bathroom stall at work. Oh no, that's terrible. Well, I'm sorry that your your first Pam was such a bit, but there's no shame. Every Pam will give you the skill to handle another Pam. So you got in the worst out of the way. Okay, that is all the time that we have for today. If you guys have any questions or comments or topics that you'd like to discuss, shoot me an email at estishontheedge at yahoo.com or you can just hit me up in my DMs. Thank you all for listening. And as always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next time.